It's time to call our shots on today's episode. We begin, like usual, by flaming head coaches. We then recap the college football national championship. Alabama's a juggernaut. We all know that. We then discuss the NFL playoffs, talk about the biggest storylines, and then we bring back our hockey segment, Puck Me, which you'll be seeing a lot more of. If you like our show, follow us on Twitter, at CollarShots. Let us know if you agree with our AGA list. And if you would like to support our show, the link is patreon.com slash calling my shots. Roll the intro. Calling My Shots is live. We have an action-packed show for you. We're ready to get into it. We're going to talk about the NFL playoffs. There's obviously been some crazy storylines. The Browns won their first road playoff game since 1969. Alabama wins the national championship, 52-45. to So we got a lot of football coverage to get into. And then Zach and I are also going to give you a brief preview of the upcoming NHL season. So... Let's get into it, Zach. What's going on? What do you think about the national championship and the football weekend? Oh, man, not much, not much. Just rocking and rolling as normal, as usual. I thought the college football world back to normal with Alabama on top. I also think that some big upsets in the NFL this week. You know, I've got to be honest, I'm a couple states away, but I had to keep peering out the window to see if I saw you flying off that ledge for a little while. I know it wasn't a good night Sunday night, but, um, you know. Would I shut off my phone for an entire night because I just don't want to hear the text messages or check Twitter or see anything? You know, it was a bad night. I honestly thought about just like dropping, watching sports altogether, no longer doing the podcast. It was a rough night for me, Zach, so I expect some sympathy out of you, <laughs> especially because it was it was painful to watch and you know, it almost caused me to lose my sports fandom altogether. Just absolutely embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure we might touch on that game once or twice, but uh, why don't you go ahead and give us your uh, AGA nomination for this week? I got a feeling I know who it is. (laughs) So this is a perfect segue into this segment. Zach is right. For my AGA award, I am nominating none other than Mike Tomlin. Now, people might crucify me for this, but hear me out. As a diehard Steelers fan, someone who watches every single game, who's been a fan my entire life, I feel like I know him better the average NFL fan. So this game 100% falls on Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger. The Steelers get absolutely blown out by the Browns. They play easily the worst game of the season. The game starts out with Marquise Pouncey hiking a ball over Ben Roethlisberger's head into the end zone, giving the Browns an easy touchdown. And then from there, it was just, it was absolutely horrible. And then Mike Tomlin not having the balls to go for it on fourth and one when the Steelers were making a little bit of a comeback and the defense couldn't stop anyone. That changed the game. That changed all the momentum. The Steelers came out playing well in the second half. I was like, okay, maybe, just maybe, if we hold the ball long enough and just don't give the Browns many possessions, the Steelers can make the comeback. But the fact that he decided to play conservative when he was at the 50-yard line 
and couldn't get one yard. That just shows what an absolutely sissy football call that was. I would say that that was probably one of the worst coaching decisions I've seen all year long. The offense was rolling at that point, and if you can't get one yard and you can't make that call to stop momentum, you don't belong in the National Football League. Mike Tomlin's a great regular season coach. I've always said that. He wins a lot of games, but when you lose these playoff games every single year, you lose games to the Jacksonville Jaguars led by Blake Bortles, and then you blow a game to the Browns who are going to get absolutely steamrolled by the Chiefs. His situational awareness in football games is terrible. He is way too conservative in the playoffs. And a lot of times, the problem with Mike Tomlin-led Steelers team is they just play down to their competition. He clearly didn't have them prepared and ready for this game. And I think even sitting the starters against Cleveland was a bad move looking at how unprepared they were. Yikes. Oh, my goodness. You just <laughs> so that was my that your was, own football coach. That was my soapbox. I had to get it off my chest. I'm out here speaking the truth, Zach. It's time for new culture for the Steelers football. I think the time has come. Mike Tomlin is a top five coach in the NFL. Mike Tomlin is one of the best coaches in the NFL. Let me say this. He's got a very unique situation in Pittsburgh. He has been there a while. He's obviously been there over a decade. But his quarterback has been there longer. Ben Roethlisberger is more entwined in Steelers lore than Mike Tomlin is. I think that's a weird situation because he has a hard time telling the quarterback what to do. You know, Big Ben obviously is not known for being the greatest teammate in the world. Whatever. Say what you want about that. But, man, I think you're really misunderstanding how hard it is to win in this league. Yeah, Jacksonville did beat them that year with Blake Bortles, but that Jacksonville defense was Saxville. It was an elite defense and they were on a roll. The Browns just wanted it more. I understand yes, the Steelers did not look good in this game. The Browns didn't even have their head coach in this game. Kevin Stefanski wasn't even on the sidelines. It's, That's fair. It's a terrible luck. I'm just saying I think this is more of the anomaly than it is anything else. He has owned the Browns. They beat him one game. You said it yourself the Steelers are the Browns daddy I just don't think you can make all I just think you're overreacting to one game was it the best game ever no was it a bad game for the Steelers and Mike Tomlin absolutely he would tell you that but I just I don't think you can fire Mike Tomlin for losing one football game to a good team and one team that I don't necessarily know that the Chiefs are going to boat race it was an absolutely embarrassing loss it was disgraceful to the city of Pittsburgh the Steelers look like a Pee-wee powder puff flag football team on Sunday. So I might be overreacting. You might be right about that. But the fourth and one call is easily enough to gain him a nomination on this list. He blew all the momentum that they had. And it was a very conservative play call. Dalton, you are the perfect Pittsburgh Steelers fan because this shows how spoiled you are that you lose one game. Granted, it was a bad loss, but the world is ending because we lost one game. You still had a more success. I haven't been to a Super Bowl since 2011. But they have been in contention every year. You know who else hadn't been to a Super Bowl since 2011? The Saints. And they are in the same boat. They're there every year. It's hard to get over that hump. There's only one winner for a reason. It's hard, man. I, I'm with you, but just because you don't make it doesn't mean you're a terrible coach. Maybe it is time for Mike Tomlin to move on, but he will have a job the second he walks out of Pittsburgh. So I think you're misunderstanding me a little bit. I don't think Mike Tomlin's a bad coach. I've always had his back. 
He wins a lot of football games. He wins the AFC North pretty frequently. And what's a competitive division? And he goes to a lot of playoff games. Where I am having the biggest issue with him is the Steelers' nonstop ability to play down to their competition and how they fair in the playoffs. You're right. I understand. The fans are spoiled and they expect a lot, but not making it to an AFC championship in what's been at least five or six years now and having get, and not going to a Super Bowls in 10 years, at some point, you have to start questioning is something off. He's a good you regular do. season coach and he wins a lot of games. but You do, but I don't see how you're pointing the magnifying glass at him saying that's the exact set of circumstances talking about the last five or 10 years or whatever and not point the figure at Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger has put up a lot of gaudy numbers and he did Sunday night. But they were obviously garbage point numbers. I mean, I think a lot of this falls on Big Ben. I mean, he had some bad throws in there. That last interception was not good. Oh, the loss is 75% on Big Ben. I'll agree with you on that. Maybe more. You know, I think Big Ben is still a really good quarterback. All I'm saying is, is it sounds to me like you were saying it was 95% Tomlin, 5% Roethlisberger. That's no, what it I was, agree with. It was, more, it was more Roethlisberger than it was Tomlin. But I think Tomlin did enough in this game to be nominated to the AGA award. Okay. With the, with the lack of fourth and one call, with the lack of preparation and football situational awareness. That's fair. That's fair. Well, for my uh, AGA this week, I'm going Arthur Smith, which is the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans. Dalton, uh, did you watch the Titans-Ravens game? I did. It was a great game. It was. It was. Um, the reason Arthur Smith is getting this nomination is because I counted at least 10 to 12 times where Baltimore had eight or nine men in the box with Baltimore's elite defense, as you have mentioned before on this program, and they run Derrick Henry right up the gut for one yard, negative yards, zero yards, over and over and over. Dalton, I ask you, what is the definition of insanity? It is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Baltimore's defense is fantastic. They move nine men up in that box. Derrick Henry ain't running against them. As good as Derrick Henry is, he's the best running back in the league, in my opinion. He couldn't get but only 40 yards on 18 carries. That's like 2.3 yards a carry. Tannehill played fine. Tannehill was moving the ball. They got A.J. Brown open on a couple of catches. Obviously, he got banged up there. He had 83 yards. To me, Titans might as well just have started taking knees on first down, running the ball up the middle every time. You're going to get second and 10. I just don't understand. They had every chance to win this ball game. Their defense played fantastic. It has been light at times this year, but they held Baltimore 20 points. The Titans offense just let them down. And Tannehill, he only threw for 165 yards, but he only threw it 26 times. He was 18 for 26. I mean, the guy played fine. They just didn't let him air it out. I was very surprised that they never changed, whether it be play action, whatever. Dalton, when you've got eight or nine men in the box, that means they are saying, we don't respect you as a passer. You have got to stretch the field to back those safeties and linebackers up, and then that opens the way for the running game. It's the exact same vice versa. If they've got safeties back, you run the ball. I just don't understand why they didn't change, and they're sitting at home because of it. Uh, The offense let them down. I agree with you. I think that Arthur Smith has had so much success just pounding the ball with Derrick Henry up the middle. That precluded his judgment a little bit. Maybe he just thought eventually I'm going to wear them down. But you're right. If it's not working, you got to switch it up. And the craziest part is Arthur Smith last year was a head coaching candidate on a lot of people's boards. So he went from being an offensive genius to having a complete meltdown in the playoffs, which could hurt his future chances of getting a head coaching job. At some point, you got you to gotta air it out. 
you're right. If they're stacking the box, you got to take some shots to get them to back off a little bit. And then you can start pounding Derrick Henry. I mean, it's it not rough. rough. It was so rough to watch because, I mean, like, like you just said, and I've heard some people say, well, you know, you got to run the ball. And you're right. You have to try. But if it ain't working, you have to try something else or you will only score 13 points in a playoff game and be sitting at home. So that's that's my soapbox. I think he's still a, a good offensive coordinator. I think they still have a lot of talent. I like Mike Vrabel and this team moving forward. But come on, you got to at least give your guys a chance. And you could see Derrick Henry was just upset when him and Mike Vrabel were arguing. And you just hate to see a team who had so much potential just go down because of some bad calls, man. Just bad calls. <laughs> The reason why the Titans went on the run that they did last year was play action. That would have been the perfect way to mix up Baltimore, but why did they divert away from the best part of their offense? Tannehill is at his best when he's running play action. That's right. So let's kick it over to some college football coverage. We have just one headline to go through real quick. Jim Harbaugh signs a four-year extension with Michigan. This is laughable at this point. He did take a pay cut, which is, I can see it being a more team-friendly deal because of his lack of performance, but I really don't know what Michigan's athletic director is thinking here. The guy has not been elite overall. He hasn't been able to elevate Michigan to Ohio State status, which some people might say, well, Michigan doesn't have the capability of it, but it's not true. They're the all-time winningest team. I think that they could still get back up there. I just don't understand the four-year extension after an abysmal season. Maybe I'm reading it wrong, but that's my two cents. I understand your judgment there. He has obviously not played well against Ohio State, which is his biggest rival, and he's lost other games in the Big Ten. But the guy is 49-22. and in his uh, one, two, three, in his six seasons at Michigan, obviously two and four this year, a little skewed, but he's won 10 games three times, nine games once and eight games once in five full seasons. Is it the level of success that they should have? No, probably not. But I mean, he's winning a lot of games. He's having top 15 recruiting classes every year. So the guy, they're going to be fine. They're still going to win eight or nine games next year. I agree. I, I think that Michigan fans uh, kind of feel like that they should be where Alabama or Ohio State is. And I understand that historically, like you said, they are the all-time winningest program in history. They have the most wins. But at the moment, man, they just are not getting the athletes to be able to play with these guys. Harbaugh's still going to win them nine games next year, but no national championship. It's kind of... They have a lot know, of notable alumni too, though. That's the thing. It's, it not does. Like they, it's not like they don't have money or pull or sway in their conference. But who else are they going to get? For a head coach? Yeah, I mean, is Tom Brady going to come back and be a, after he retires? Is he going to be a coach? No, no. All Billy I'm Napier. saying is, huh? Billy Napier. If he Billy Napier to is waiting on Saban to win next year's national title, retire, and then for him to move in there. That's the only thing I can figure out Billy Napier's doing. But I'm with you. I understand Harbaugh is not winning as many games as he should, but this is the age-old argument. Me and you, South Carolina Ole Miss, I would kill to win eight or nine, ten games a year. That just is what it is. I mean, they're spoiled by success, and Michigan is Michigan. It's a top 15 job at its worst in the country. It's a fantastic job. I'm just telling you, man, 10 wins a year, sign me up. It's a it's a tough discussion at the end of the day. I mean, I don't know who you can replace them with. I just feel like four years is kind of too long. They did set his bailout or his buyout at <laughs> Maybe that's the way we should start terming it. <laughs> but they set the buyout at a pretty reasonable price. I think it's either 
a million dollars or 500,000, something like that. So they did kind of leave some room in there to pivot away from him if necessary. But yeah. I really thought he was going to lose his job, honestly. The four years does kind of perplex me, but still, I mean, it's COVID year. I, I don't know that anybody should really have been fired this year, but, but that's just me. Speaking of Ohio State, how are they feeling this morning after that drumming by Alabama last night? You know, I thought that when we did the show last week, I really thought Ohio State could make it interesting. thought they could keep it close. I knew it was going to be high scoring, but I did not expect Alabama's defense to play as well as they did. That was the biggest surprise to me overall. And the fact that Olave wasn't able to get going was a surprise for Ohio State, but also losing Trey Sermon, and they didn't have two of their starting defensive linemen. If you're not full strength against Alabama, you don't have a shot. I understand. Two starters on defensive line that hurts them because that you know affects their ability to rush the passer. And Mac Jones isn't really a scrambling type of quarterback. He doesn't have a lot of mobility. So if they could have got after him a little bit, the game script could have been different. Not saying they would have won, but the losses of the defensive linemen and Trey Sermon right away definitely impacted their game. I think you could have called JT Barrett. Ted Ginn, Maurice Claret, Archie Griffin. You could have called whoever you wanted to. Ohio State wasn't winning that football game. I understand that they had some COVID and some injuries, but Ohio State is the second best team in college football, but they are not the number one team in college football. Alabama is just head over heels better. We talked about this about a month, maybe two months ago, and I still believe it. And I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think this offense is better than LSU's was last year. They've got more weapons. Najee Harris is better than Clyde Edwards. The wide receiver core is better. Mac Jones, you know, Joe Burrow had two great games in the NFL this year, but um, until he hurt his knee, we'll see. I don't see why Mac Jones can't be better than Joe Burrow. Man, Alabama historically has not been able to produce NFL quarterbacks. That's starting to change a little bit now with Tua. I'm not sold on Mac Jones just because of his mobility. And you're saying LSU has got a tradition of putting NFL quarterbacks in the well, NFL? That, you're you're that, right. That, Mark that Russell, Matt Flynn. Yeah, but Mac Jones also has zero mobility, so teams in the NFL are going to be able to hone in on that. Mac Jones has got a little mobility. He can't slide worth anything, but he actually was outrunning some he's, of those. He's a pocket passer, and that's kind of dying in the NFL, though. If you're one-dimensional, if your quarterback's one-dimensional, it's going to hurt him. Uh, He's a very accurate passer, but unless he can... He can move as well as Justin Herbert can. Maybe. A a pocket passer is not a dying breed, sir. Russell Wilson and these guys that can move... Russell Wilson's also mobile. He is, but he can throw first. That's why I don't think Lamar Jackson, unless he really improves upon his passing, is going to have that long of an NFL career because you cannot – Cam Newton five years ago was the baddest, biggest running quarterback, and now he can't run. If Cam Newton, if Superman has lost his wheels, man, nobody can run in the NFL as a running quarterback for more than six or seven years. You just can't – your body can't take it. That's um just not sold on Mac Jones mobility. You know, it's pretty easy when you play on the absolute best team in college football to put up numbers like that. So well, sure. I'll just but be interested. Put- I'll just be interested to see when he goes to a team like Jacksonville or the Jets or one of these. No, he's not. Whether or he's not going to the Patriots, and we're all going to be in for hell for the next fifteen years. Yeah, but Bill Bill Belichick doesn't use first round draft picks. He always trades them. Keep that in mind. Hopefully he goes to Pittsburgh. That'd be nice. I'd like to see that. Oh, wait. Oh, so you, so you want him in Pittsburgh, but you're not sold <laughs> on him, huh? I'm just I telling have, you. I'd rather have Sam Howell. 
Well, Sam Howell's going back to North Carolina. I read that today. Didn't say that. Okay. Well, that affects things. He's probably the second best quarterback returning. That's fair. But back to the game a little bit more. I think the Ohio State had they had their two defensive linemen and Trey Sermon could have made it closer. Not saying they would have won. But Trey Sermon was the difference maker in that offense. To me, Master Teague, this guy looks slow and can't even barely gain five yards. So once they lost Sermon, their entire game plan just diminished. Well, sure. But, I mean, Alabama scored 52 and had the ball with eight minutes to go. They could have put up 70 if they wanted to. They just didn't want to. That's fair. I don't think, though, that this Alabama offense is better than LSU's offense last year. Great. I disagree. I mean, I Devontae, mean- Devontae Smith is great, and Najee Harris is also great. But to me, Burrow has the edge at quarterback over Mac Jones. Justin Jefferson was comparable, not as good, comparable to Devontae Smith. Nope. And and LSU had a better tight end. Jalen Waddell, which was a first-round pick, got hurt this year and did not play until last night. You can't count him. Okay, that's fine. Well, they put up more points on everybody. They set more records than LSU did. We'll agree to disagree, but I'm just telling you, this Alabama offense was stupid is what it was. It was great, obviously. You're talking they about got Joe Burrow. They got Joe something. Burrow threw seven touchdowns last year against Oklahoma. Oklahoma was missing three in their secondary. Backups play there. Also, tor- also torched Alabama. He absolutely torched Alabama last year. They won by three. They won by seven points. Two of them. Okay. Not to mention Torch Clemson in the national championship made them look like varsity high school team. So what did Mac Jones do to Ohio State last night? Then it was a good win. But Ohio State also had, <laughs> also had their top two defensive linemen out. That makes a huge difference. Oh, okay. Ohio State, no one else is like Alabama. In fact, like if they lose their top two defensive linemen, they have two more five stars that can rush right in. Other programs, they lift their top guys, and it's done. They don't have a shot. Clemson and Georgia are the only two other ones. Yeah, that's fair. But that's it. I still think, overall, LSU played a tougher schedule last year and had a better offense than what Alabama did this year. I'd just like to point out that Lane Kiffin tweeted out that Ole Miss scored more points than Notre Dame and Ohio State put together against Alabama. So <laughs> that, that is true. That is he true. is a troll, but I, I mean, the world I will needs say, to though. This game definitely makes the Notre Dame game look better. It makes Notre Dame overall, it gives them a little bit more respect. No. They held, they, they held them to, what, 31 points? They, yeah, they, they did. it wasn't because Notre Dame held them. It was because Nick Saban was like, eh, we don't even have to have our best game plan to win this. Maybe. They covered the spread. They did. They did. Well, college football season's over. No, we no longer really get to talk about it. We might do some stuff here on there, but we are going to transition into college baseball. Since no one else is talking about it, you're going to hear it here first. Going to give you some in-depth analysis, and then we're going to talk about this Gamecock sweeping the Rebels. You know, I think uh, South Carolina. So I think South Carolina was like tenth or twelfth in the coaches' poll. That's good. That's good for them. Not five, but that's pretty good. Uh, it's, not, it's not about how you start; it's how you finish. Has Ole Miss ever won a national championship in baseball? They haven't. They were awarded it last year by the by Barstool, but that's it. <laughs> they had won 15 straight games and beaten Louisville twice, so I don't know what you want. You know how many South Carolina has? How many football national championships South Carolina got? How many football championships does Ole Miss have? All back in, what, the 60s? It was a while ago. It was a while ago. That's fair. We have two in baseball, none in football. How many Heisman Trophy can it, or winners have you had? Oh, <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, well, just because you won one, uh, who was the USC guy? George Rogers. George Rogers. What's he doing now? Yeah, probably sitting in Charleston on a beach somewhere. George Rogers. Sorry, I had to Google him. Let's see. No, I, he was a fine player at whatever position. It, the only problem is he got hurt when he went to the NFL. Or otherwise, he would have been an elite running back. George Rogers was a fine player for South Carolina at some point in history. Marcus Lattimore <laughs> should have won a Heisman too. I hey, if he would have stayed, if he would have stayed healthy. I got nothing against Marcus Lattimore. I was um, a big fan of his. He was he was one of the best running backs I've ever seen. Yeah. That's another guy, if he would have stayed healthy, he would have been an absolute weapon in the NFL. Gosh, I remember watching him tear his ACL against Mississippi State that year, and it was awful. And you knew it right when it happened. I just Any other right. lines you want to get to in college football? Or? Uh, yeah, so ESPN put out its way too early top 25 today and had Ole Miss at 18 for the start of 2021. So I thought that was interesting. <laughs> they, they deserve it. So they have to play a couple oh. of SEC West games and lose it. Uh, first four games next year are against Louisville and uh, Liberty, which Liberty will be ranked and it will also be the return of Hugh Freeze. Also interesting next year is Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss will go to Knoxville, which Lane Kiffin did the old one and done 2010. So we'll see. Yeah. Hopefully the college football season will return back to normal too and we'll get some yeah. normalcy back. I guess my last thing is, is there anything that anyone can do to break up this absolute unit Saban has down in Alabama? We saw LSU disrupt them with Burrow, which is why I still think that their offense is better because of what they did with the program that they had. But you do agree to disagree on it. You do realize that Tua broke his hip last year, right? And a backup quarterback almost beat at LSU. It's Mac Jones, this guy that you're saying is going to be, you know, a Hall of Famer. <laughs> I did not. I did not. But yes, they, they, it brought, was they brought it. They brought in Mac Jones. I mean, that's, it was. They, but they, off they the bench, who had never had any playing time, that is completely different. Anyways, we'll agree to disagree. All I'll say is Alabama just broke the record for the most stars in a recruiting class in history. Sucks to suck. They're not going anywhere. Clemson, Georgia's right there. LSU's got a good recruiting class coming in. We're going to have a lot of the same players as we always do. South Carolina with that strong 103rd ranked recruiting class. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. The Shane train, because I know that pisses you off. You. That is trademark. You are not allowed to say that. There is Shane no other train. train in, give him a couple years. Give him a couple There years. is no <laughs> other train in the SEC other than the lane train. So I'm afraid you're going to get sued. From now on, when you say that, you're going to be sued. Bring a good lawyer. <laughs> All right, so moving in from the uh, NCAAs into the NFL, had a lot of games this weekend, had six games, three on Saturday, three on Sunday, some good games. We already talked a little bit about the Titans and the Ravens. Another game we had on Saturday, uh, the Bills held off the Colts rally. What you think about that? That was a great game overall. You know, the Colts just about did it, but... Phil Rivers in the playoffs still can't get it done. We both picked this game correct. I think it was probably closer than either one of us envisioned, but the real difference in this game was Buffalo holding Jonathan Taylor at only 3.7 yards of carry. Taylor was on an absolute roll coming into this game, so I think had he been able to get going a little bit more to take some of the pressure off of Rivers, they would have had a shot. But overall, Buffalo won. It was a big win for him. It's the playoffs. Anyone can win, so it's closer than Buffalo fans would have probably liked, but 
they got it done. I agree. I agree. I think some of that blame on Taylor should credit to the Buffalo defense. I thought they played fantastic. They obviously gave up some yardage and some points there late as Indianapolis was driving back. But uh, I thought they did a pretty good job of holding them off. Yeah. Another good game this weekend was that uh, Seattle and the Rams game. What do you think about that one? I am still shocked by this. I don't know what to make of the Seahawks, and I really don't know what to make of the Rams. The Rams are a team that we were just talking about a couple weeks ago, Zach, when they lost to the Jets. They gave the Jets their first win of the season. Jared Goff actually saved his reputation a little bit because going in, I was questioning whether or not he's even a quality starting quarterback in the NFL, but he played great overall. Seattle just... Couldn't stop anyone. You know, the Rams offense ran wild. Aaron Donald, even though he got injured in this game, was a big force like he usually was with two sacks in the game. And the Rams just had a better gameplay. They were ready for it. They looked more motivated. I was surprised I picked Seattle to win this. This to me was an upset, but it just shows how good of a coach Sean McVay is. I did too. I picked Seattle as well. I think that uh, the Rams and that elite defense really did awesome, man. They sacked Russ five times, disrupting that up. They held them only to 278 yards total offense, and they forced two turnovers. I mean, the Rams defense came to play. They held Tyler Lockett in check all day. DK Metcalf made a uh, good touchdown catch on kind of that backyard football on the first one and then he made one at the end there but uh i thought the rams played well you're right i thought golf golf played well i mean he only threw for like 150 yards but they moved the ball cam Akers ran the ball very well so yeah. who knows this rams, this rams team may be a tough out well their secondary is elite if you can hold you know russell wilson to i don't know the stats off the top of my head but if you he can threw, he threw for 174 yards and he had a pick Two touchdowns, both to DK. But he only had 11 completions. Yeah. The Rams probably have the best secondary in the NFL. I think the Rams have the best defense in the NFL. It could be. It really could be. They might be. We might have underestimated them a little bit, Zach. They might be dangerous. I mean, the NFC is wide open. If their secondary and defense plays like that and Jared Goff can be serviceable and they have a good running game, they're dangerous. It's possible. It's possible. They get to Aaron Rodgers. They could make some sacks, and it's possible. The other game we had on Saturday was the um, brilliant debut of Taylor Heineke and the Washington football team against Tampa. What would you think about that? Heineke might be the starting quarterback from here on out for Washington. Either that or he's going to land a nice backup job somewhere. Overall, he played really well. He's super slippery, and the guy actually has a lot of speed. He's deceptively fast. Washington played well overall. Their defense kept them in the game, but Tom Brady was just motivated. And when you have that many weapons, it's pretty hard to stop everyone. I thought that the Washington football team did a great job defending against the run, but that passing attack was just too much. Brady was on a different level. I know Godwin dropped some passes, but Mike Evans and Antonio Brown played well. It was interesting because they actually had Rob Gronkowski. He wasn't really involved too much in the passing game plan. But he blocked pretty much the entire game, and Grog's one of the best blocking tight ends in the NFL. And it helps when you have a Harvard grad guy like Cameron Brait able to step up and you know make catches out of the tight end position. So overall, they just had a very balanced attack, and it was a good win for Tampa. It was, it was. I think you're right. I think Heineke, you know, he was also the leading rusher on the on the. Uh football team the other night it, it was pretty cool it's it's cool to see some stories like that you, they're like oh this team doesn't have a chance and he's making throws and that video of tom brady said this is unbelievable and i know rich eisen tweeted something like tom brady has left taylor heineke with 233 on the clock words i never thought i'd tweet <laughs> yeah. 
I thought it was cool. I mean, the dude balled out. Hopefully, he'll make him a little money. I tell you what he did is he made Dwayne Haskins look really bad because this guy didn't see hardly a snap all year, and he comes in and plays in like that. Who knows, man? Washington's defense, that front four is elite. The secondary, the back seven could use a little work, but uh, that defense is going to be really good. They got Ron Rivera, who's one of my favorite coaches. Man, yeah. you get Ron these Rivera guys. Ron tremendous job this year. Over. You get Taylor Heineke, a wide receiver to go along with Gibson back there, maybe two wide receivers and another offensive line. You could be talking about a 10 a ten win team next year, maybe an 11 and 5 team. So, uh, yeah, easily. Obviously, that has something to do with the downside of the NFC East, but I mean, I think Washington's going to be a good team for a while, especially with Riverboat Ron. On back yeah, calling the shots. So yeah, I see what you did there. Nice little play on words overall. All right, so we had that. A lot of good games this weekend. So Sunday we had uh, we already talked a little bit Ravens and Titans game. The Bears and the Saints. Probably the worst game of the week. Well, maybe not, but one of the worst games of the week. Slime zone. We call yeah, it the slime zone I mean, game. The Nick game. The game no one would stop tweeting about. I mean, I, in the in the goalpost, it was weird. I tried to watch the Nick broadcast for a little bit, and it was just like elementary broadcasters. I don't know. I get what they're trying to do, but Nick, it's kind of silly. It's kind of silly. But I think back in our day when we were younger, you know, we got the Madden football games, and we were like, "This is cool." But I think they're just—I think they're trying different avenues to reach these younger audiences that maybe don't even know what football is. And you know, you throw SpongeBob in there. I, I'm sure when I was seven years old, looking at SpongeBob, I would have been like, "Yeah, let's see what this is all about." So, kind of a neat idea, man. Trubisky and and those guys just couldn't get anything rolling. I mean, that Saints defense played well. I tried to tell you, Zach, the Saints defense is – I know we're talking about the Rams here, but I still think the Saints have the best defense in the NFL. They're dangerous on offense. I know they didn't put up a lot of points, but that's against Chicago, who also has an elite defense. It was a big win for them. You know, as I predicted, they're just going to keep rolling all the way to the Super Bowl. I would like to point out that this game could have been dramatically different. Chicago dropped the wide open pass in the end zone that would have given them, uh, or actually would have tied it up seven to seven early in the game. But also, they were in the uh, huh? Yeah, but <laughs> the other thing I'd like to point out was there was one of the worst flags I've ever seen. It was seven to three, I believe. The Bears have the ball on the Saints. 12 or 13 or somewhere in there. And uh, it's going to be third and five. Cole Komet, the rookie tight end for Chicago, catches the ball on the sidelines, gets tackled by Malcolm Jenkins. They get up. They're walking back, kind of trash talking. Komet takes the ball and throws it to the referee on the other side of Jenkins. It hits the referee in the chest, and they throw a personal foul on Komet. If you have not seen this, go back and look it up. It is awful. And then they tried to say that he deliberately threw the ball at Malcolm Jenkins. So what that did was... That moved the Bears back. Instead of third and five, it was now third and 20. End up kicking a field goal. That's when they kicked the field goal. But it was one of the worst calls I've ever seen. Please go back and look at that. Soft refs. Soft refs overall. But I think, Zach, this is a makeup call for all the times the Saints have gotten hosed in the playoffs. So I don't feel bad. Karma has to go the Saints way at some point. They've literally been hosed out of probably two Super Bowls already by bad pass interference calls. And I'm not even a Saints fan. Just trying to tell it like it is. What a, was there another game on Sunday to, that we missed? Maybe Sunday night about seven o'clock with the. Uh, I thought we weren't talking about that one. I, I feel like I already got enough off my shoulders, but if we really wow. want to get into it, we can talk about it. The Browns, I tip my cap to them. This is hurting me to say it. I'm really trying my best here. They wanted the game more. They played better, but they're going to get steamrolled in the next round. 
The Steelers beat this. themselves. The Steelers beat themselves in this game. If you throw five interceptions and have five turnovers, fat chance you're going to win a game. Ben Roethlisberger also cost the Steelers this football game. Not having Dupree was pretty big. The defense played bad too overall. Nick Chubb had a great game. Baker Mayfield to me looked pretty bad all game. He really don't get the hype. He did enough to win, but if he plays like that, the Browns don't have a shot to make a deep run. But it was a good win for them overall. This game falls on Big Ben and his performance, obviously, and the ineptitude of the Steelers' running game. Overall, I'll say it now, it is time for the Steelers to make a quarterback change. I appreciate everything Big Ben has done for the Steelers franchise, but until we put him on the bench and give a young guy a chance or draft a quarterback, the Steelers are always going to flake out and they're not capable of a deep run especially with the football situational awareness that Mike Tomlin has and his lack of balls to go for it on fourth and one. Without an elite quarterback, we're done. But congrats, Browns. You were the better team. You won the game. It was a good win for your franchise. You know, I I may not get to say this very often in calling my shots, but I call this to a T. Go back and listen to last week's episode. I called it. I said, I don't know what it is. Just something's telling me the Browns are going to win. Never would have thought it would have happened like this. But you know what? I, I I think you're right. I think this is a big win for this Browns organization. I mean, they have been little brother forever. I know that you hate them with every fiber of your being, but I think it's good for football. I think I hate little. them more now than I hate the Ravens, to be honest. It is good for little brother to win every once in a while. Maybe not in your, your situation here, but I'm just telling you it's good for football. It wouldn't be as bad. If we actually made the game, we literally gift wrapped Browns this game. Our Pro Bowl center, Marquise Pouncey, literally hiked the ball over Big Ben's play on the very first play and gave the Browns a touchdown. How are you supposed to come back from that when your all pro center does that? He might even retire now. Like it was so sad to watch him on the sideline because he's a, he's been a tremendous center for a long time, but now he's talking about retiring. And if that's how he goes out, I'm going to be pissed. There are 59 minutes and 45 seconds left in that football game after that play. You're going to have to show me a little bit more. If that's all it takes, one bad play for you to get down. Yes, it was true. It was awful. But if that's all it takes for to break your spirit, they were never going to win the Super Bowl in the first place. Yeah, and that falls back on Mike Tomlin. My dad actually texted me after the snap over Big Ben's head, and he said, you think Dalton's crapping himself yet? And I said, probably not. And then after it was 21 to nothing, he said, how about now? <laughs> he said, I feel so bad, but oh well. Hey, tell Mr. Taylor anytime he wants to come on and try to hang with the big boys, he can. I would love to chirp your father, Zach. So mm-hmm. he has an open invite. He can come on. I'm not sure who his NFL team is, but... I extend the invite. He's kind of like me. We grew up in Mississippi, so we really don't have teams per se. We cheer for players, cheer for Brett Favre all them years. Uh, he was playing, cheer for Eli. You know what they call that, Zach? Fairweather fans. Well, you know what? I mean, I now that Eli's retired, I mean, I don't have a true blue team. I'll cheer for A.J. Brown and the Titans. I'll cheer for D.K. Metcalf on the Seahawks, but look what that did me. So I'm just kind of indifferent. Happens to be two good teams. Tell me how that works. Hey, you know what? D.K. and A.J. do fine. I, I t- Eli got in two Super Bowl rings. That was that was cool. I kind of invested and then got out. I sold. I've sold all my shares of the NFL, so I'm just kind of a bystander now. So if that's what you want to call it, Zach. If that's what you want to call it. So let's talk about this Ravens-Titans game. I know you're kind of beating around the bush on this because I tried to tell you that the Ravens were going to win this game. You didn't believe me. I took 
the Ravens to go all the way to the Super Bowl. And so far, from what I've seen, it looks very doable. They're a dangerous team because they can run the ball, control time of possession, play great defense, and they have an elite kicker. The Ravens put up 230 yards of rushing offense. It was absolutely ridiculous. I know Lamar didn't have the greatest game passing, but that's not how the Ravens are going to win all these games anyway. They're going to do it with the run game. They looked elite, and the fact that they held Derrick Henry to 40 yards just shows how dangerous of a team they are, Zach. And I think you, I think you definitely underestimated them. You know, I think this – I chalk this more up to – the Titans lost this game more than the Ravens won it. Yes, the Ravens ultimately had more points, but kudos to the Ravens. I just don't think that they can make a run. I think Josh Allen is finally going to play well another game in the postseason. We'll see. You know, I'm glad Lamar Jackson finally got his win. I know that people were giving a lot of hell about that. Lamar Jackson's a really good quarterback. Again, I, I'm a pretty big critic of him. I think he's got to, you know, improve his passing, but I'm, I feel pretty confident that he would tell you that. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, the Ravens won, but I'm just still not sold, bud. Okay. I saw it play out. Elite you know what this is, right? Elite rushing attack, elite defense. John Harbaugh is also the winningest road playoff coach of all time. Well, I know what this is. You, you want uh, – I, I, this is – anybody could see through this illusion, Dalton. You want the Ravens to beat the Bills, and you want the Browns to beat the Chiefs so so they can represent this no, AFC North. I don't want I don't want the Browns to win. That, so all your AFC North represents can just be good, and y'all can all sing Kumbaya. No, I don't want either of them to win. I just think, because I know a lot about football, that the Ravens are going to make a deep run. I think That's okay. hey, you get, got a spot on your wall behind you. I'll get you a I'll get your Browns fathead and then a Ravens fathead to go along with your Steelers one. And I'll buy myself a nice five gallon gas can and then burn them out in my front yard. <laughs> <laughs> let's do let's do some quick previews here. We got into it a little bit, but this first game in the AFC, we have the Browns versus the Chiefs. This isn't going to be a game. This is going to be a blowout. The Chiefs are going to slaughter them. Don't really have much else to say. Am I going to do it again? Am I going to pick the Browns? Who was your your Super Bowl pick, Zach? Are you going to go back on that? You know, (laughs) the Browns Browns won 11 games. I mean, no, I can't do it. I've got to go with Kansas City. I think that Kansas City is going to – I think Kansas City is is just too much for them. But – you know what? Kansas City haven't played a meaningful game in a couple of weeks. So we'll see. Who knows? The Browns may jump up on them as well. But I'm, I'm going to take Kansas City. Yeah, I don't think the Browns have a shot in this. So. It was a good run. It was a fantastic run. You beat, they want to play you beat your game. rival. Yeah, yeah. We don't have to keep talking about it. They, they, their rival. they beat their rival worse than they've beaten see, them. You just talked time. about how the Titans beat themselves more than the Ravens won that game. It was the exact same thing with the Steelers. When you throw four interceptions and literally gift the Browns a touchdown, it had nothing to do with the Browns having a superior game plan. They played okay. They did enough to win, but take away the four turnovers, it's a completely different game. See, I disagree. I think the Titans was play calling. I think that some of the interceptions were because the Browns were in the right coverage or full Big Ben. I think it's play calling. The Steelers have a terrible offensive coordinator. Maybe so, but Big Ben didn't have to throw them passes. And I'm I'm telling you, I I think that the Browns schemed it up enough to confuse Big Ben. I I think play calling is what doomed the Titans. I think ineptitude and lack of balls by the head coach is what doomed the Steelers. (laughs) So Ravens versus Bills. Zach and I are going to disagree here, but here's the thing. 
The Bills already don't have a rushing attack, and they're going to try to attempt to run the ball on the Ravens. The Ravens are going to be able to go into QB spy, take away Josh Allen on the ground, force him to throw the ball, get some pass rush on him. He's going to make a couple turnovers, and that's going to be the difference in the game. Ravens are going to control the time of possession. They're going to put up 200 yards rushing the ball. It's going to be a close one, but the Ravens are going to scrape it out here with a last-second 52-yard field goal by Justin Tucker. Yeah, uh, I can see it. Uh, I'm going to go the other way. I think the Bills' defense is better than the Titans' defense, so um, I think that Tennessee gave Lamar Jackson fits last week, but we'll see. And I, Nobody has shown me that they can stop Josh Allen, especially in the last month and a half. We'll see. We just said the same thing about Derrick Henry. It's a no. little though, isn't it? Is it different? I would say it's different because scheme and play calling can shut down a running back. Bills are a very well-coached team. They, they do have that going for them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, again, I, I just think that um, the Bills' defense has struggled through the air, which doesn't really hurt them that much against Lamar Jackson, but we'll see. Um, the Bills don't run for a lot anyways. Baltimore doesn't give it up, so who knows? I'm going to take Buffalo. I, I think Josh Allen's going to keep showing us why he's improved so much and why he's the most talented quarterback in the league. Maybe this not. is my this is my favorite matchup out of the entire playoff slate. This is the game I'm most looking forward to watching. It's going to be a good one, but there's that one in the NFC is going to be a little bit better for me. So, are you talking about the Rams versus the Packers or the Buccaneers I versus? Not, the I am talking about the battle round three of the NFC South. That makes me nervous for my Saints pick because it's hard to beat a team three times, but. The Saints have absolutely steamrolled the Bucks this year. Every single time they played, they figured out a way to eliminate their passing attack. They figured out ways to frustrate Tom Brady. It's really all about getting pressure on him. When you get, that's how the Giants beat him in the Super Bowl. That's how the Eagles beat him in the Super Bowl. That's how you beat Tom Brady. You get pressure on him. I think the Saints figure it out. They have a good secondary that can contain some of their weapons. It's going to be a close one, though. I think the Bucs have a better game than they have in the past against the Saints, but I'll take them to win. You take the Saints? Yeah. I'm going, I'm going Tampa. I think Tampa's rolling. I think Tampa has figured it out. Their defense is playing better. I think that um, that front seven is going to get some pressure on Drew Brees. I could honestly, obviously see the Saints win, but I, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say Tampa's going to win. I think they're going to avenge the other two losses, especially that beat down that they put on them the last game when they were up 35 to nothing. So give me Tampa, give me Antonio Brown, your boy, and roll to the NFC Championship. All right, so Rams, Packers, this is going to be a good matchup, but I'm still not sold on the, the Rams, Zach. I know they had a tremendous performance against Seattle, and you could argue that Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are playing comparably. You might give the edge to Aaron Rodgers overall. But I don't know that the Rams can repeat that same performance, and they're going to have to be able to put up more points. I'll take the Packers here, but this everything about this game is saying it's going to be close. I just don't think the Rams can do it twice. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I This could be a really good game. I'm sure it's going to be cold up there in Lambeau. The Rams play fantastic defense. So they Again, they probably have the best defense in the uh, league right now, especially with the remaining teams. I'm sure you could all... I'm sure you could argue Baltimore, but I mean, given what uh, Los Angeles did to Seattle last week, I'm going to go with Los Angeles, but I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers. I think he's still out for 
for blood. I think that, you know, Aaron Jones is going to get rolling. I think Devontae Adams is going to have a big game against Jalen Ramsey out there. Give me the Packers at home. Plus, those Sunshine Boys out in California are going to have a hard time playing up in that cold weather in Lambeau. Yeah. And this is going to be a bad look for Matt LaFleur if he loses two times in a row in the first in their first game in the playoffs. So he needs to win this game or else it's going to be a colossal disappointment. You could argue that. You know what time it is, don't you? Starting tomorrow. That's hockey. It's Penguins Stanley Cup time. That's what I'm feeling. I'm looking at my nice 2016 Stanley Cup Penguins banner sitting in my house right now. Man, it would be a lot better if I could put another one right below it. So they're kind of doing it a little differently this year. No preseason. Starting tomorrow, the regular season kicks up. They're going to take the top four teams in each divisions. For you guys that don't know, they've kind of done some new division alignments this year. Instead of, you know, the East, the Central, the Metro, the uh, Pacific, we've got the North, East, Central, and West. A little different. Through all the Canadian teams in the North Division, which yeah, makes sense. me, the Penguins, and we can even say the Rangers got absolutely screwed here with this division realignment. You could make that argument. It is basically just the Metro Division and throw in Boston and Buffalo. Buffalo's not going to do anything. They've got all the talent in the world, but everybody knows it's a black hole, so you can count them out. It's basically just Boston. I mean, come on. Yeah, but Boston's one of the premier teams in the East as much as I hate them. For sure, for sure. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, it's going to be really interesting with these um, new divisions. We'll see more Canadian playoff teams than we probably have in a while. We'll see four. <laughs> they want that first cup since 1993. But uh, we'll see. I think we could get into talking about some of them because there's – I see one here that I would feel somewhat confident saying they have a shot at winning the cup. Toronto? Yeah. So, so we we're gonna have four playoff teams out of each division. So, so why don't you give me your playoff predictions? So, if I'm just shooting just by looking here, the four teams from each division that I think are gonna make it. Okay, this is gonna be tough. Now, this is just gonna be total shots in the dark overall. But I'm gonna go Montreal out of the North Division, the Great White North. A, eh? I'm gonna go with Montreal, Toronto, Edmonton, and Calgary. So, Zach, I'm interested to hear what you think about the North Division. I know I gave my four teams. Who are you? Who would you be leaning towards taking? Yeah, Dalton. So, uh, this is going to be a really good division. I've got the Maple Leafs. I've got Edmonton. I've got Calgary. And I've got um, the young slinging Vancouver Canucks. I think the Canucks are kind of surprised a lot of people this year. JT Miller had a hell of a year last year with Elias Peterson and those guys. And uh, the oldest Hughes brother there playing defense. Uh, Quentin. So we'll see. Um, Toronto. Are you not worried about them losing Markstrom? I am, but I think that that youth is going to still propel them. Uh, maybe they can come up with a with a good defense there to help out that kind of shaky goaltending situation. But I think there's too much youth, too much speed for them to be denied. Yeah, Demko I, was okay last year. I just I'm not I'm not sold on Demko yet, but he had some decent games. I tell you, the team I feel least confident about in this division is actually Edmonton. I think that uh, they got Tyson Berry, obviously. They've got uh, McDavid and they've got uh, Leon Dreisaitl. But other than that, they really don't have a ton. Um, I don't know. Their defense is still weak and they still can't figure out goaltending. Oscar Cliff boom back there. But, I, I, I you know, Edmonton's probably going to make it, but I don't think by much. Calgary's got a good team. We'll see. Good goaltending back there. Got Johnny Gajar still playing well. And then I think the Maple Leafs are still Stanley Cup contenders with Tavares, Marner, yeah. all these guys. 
The Senators are going to be a lot better this year with Matt Murray in goal now. They still have to rebuild a little bit, but I think the Senators can be respectable at least in this division. Yeah, I I don't quite think they're there yet, but I believe that they will have taken some right steps to get there. So, sure. What do you think about what do you think about Montreal? They're kind of I went back and forth between them and Winnipeg for who I was going to take to make it, but Montreal definitely surprised people last year. Obviously, they eliminated the Penguins, which was painful to watch, but when you have Carey Price, you can still win a lot of games. You can. You can. I just don't think that they have some decent depth players. I just don't think that they have the star power. I think that you've got to have I think that you've got to have somebody that can put the puck in the net. Shea Weber's obviously back there, but Brennan Gallagher and, and these guys, uh Philip Denoul, somebody's gonna have to be the man and score a bunch of damn goals. And and we'll see. Uh I know they got Tyler Toffoli in there. Jonathan Drouin's got to step up. I, I just don't think that they're going to be able to score enough to help carry Price out. Yeah, Jonathan Drouin had a pretty down year last year. Canadians fans had high expectations for him, and I don't think he really played that well or justified the contract that he got. Yeah, for we'll see sure. If he can, if he can have a bounce back year. That's right. So let's move into the toughest division. Zach, this is going to be a bloodbath, no matter how you look at it. I know that Buffalo has... <laughs> can't make the playoffs to save their life, but they really do have a lot of talent. If things work out, I know everyone always has them as a playoff sleeper, but they really are a talented team overall. Boston's getting in. Too much depth overall. Tuka Rask, even though Bruins fans complain about him, is still, to me, one of the best goalies in the league. And it's pretty cool seeing Bergeron get the captain honors. I think he deserves it. But I'm sure Bruins fans are in pain over watching Zidane Chara put on a Capitals jersey. So that's going to be interesting to see because they're going to play each other a lot this year. <laughs> it's even hard to take guesses here, but I'm going to say the Bruins, Philly, the Rangers, and Pittsburgh. Ooh. Now, this division is going to be so tough, man. You're leaving out. And I'm honestly, I'm not confident, and this could be the year that the Penguins miss the playoff. If You're they don't. Leaving out the Capitals, the Islanders. I mean, yep. there's just is a bloodbath. But who? I mean, who are you going to put in over them? I mean, it's. I've got. Devils, I think I feel confident that the Devils and the Sabers will not make it. The rest of it's a toss-up. It, it for sure is. I've got the Flyers making it. I think the Flyers and Boston are in. I think that it's we hard to argue there. there. I there. think Carter Hart's going to be really good. Um, I feel he's here to stay. And I think Tuka Rask is going to be, you know, as he never left. The other teams are where it gets dicey. I'm going to still take the Capitals in there. I think, I know Holtby's gone, but they supposedly have a really good Russian goaltender coming in. Backstrom, Ovechkin, Kuznet, they still have a ton of talent. Get, getting up there in age, though. They are. I'm concerned about. Sure. I'm very concerned about their goaltending. They for sure. Are. I just think that they have so much talent everywhere. I think it's just going to be hard for them not to get in. But we'll see. And for my last spot, I'm going to do it. Uh, call me a homer, whatever you want. I think Igor Shesterkin going to make his run for the Calder. I think uh, Alexander Georgiev is going to have a hell of a run. Kind of, kind of a two and two tandem there. And I think Lafreniere. Panarin, Zibanejad, Kreider, I think these guys are going to have the Rangers ready to play. Are they cup contenders? Probably not yet. Um, it all depends. They've got a bunch of 16, they've got a bunch of 19, 20, 21 year olds back there on the defense. But if those kids grow up quickly, this could be a really good team. Yeah. So I'm going to take the Rangers in my last playoff spot. I think that kind of a lot the way we said about uh, uh, I talked about Vancouver. They're young, they're fast. You know, 
They're going to need these veterans like Zabinajad and Panarin and Kreider to show these young kids the way. But, man, they have a ton of talent. You're talking about that top nine that's as I'm, good as anybody. I'm worried, I'm worried about their blue line a little bit. But they do, sure. have, they do, they do have elite scoring. I'll give you that. Panarin don't has worry. It. Jack Johnson is on that blue line. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can have fun with Jack Johnson when he hoses you out of a playoff spot. You know, don't come, don't come crying to Penguins fans. <laughs> I'm, I am happy to see him gone. He was a burden on the Penguins. So the Penguins this year, Zach, it's going to be interesting to see how Jari plays for an entire season. I still, and I said this when they traded Murray, I'm still not entirely sold on this move on Jari being an upgrade over Matt Murray. I know he played better, but towards the end of the season, Murray really started to gain his confidence back. And that was the thing with Murray is once he got on a roll, he could be one of the hottest goaltenders in the league. I'm concerned about the Penguins defense. I mean, obviously it's still saying back there, but yeah, if the Penguins do not make the playoffs this year, is it time to blow it up? I think that we could be strategic about it and trade away some of the older players. I think you got to hang on to Crosby and Malkin, obviously, but after that, I think anything's on the table. See, I think I could think you as good as it is and as blasphemous as it is for Pittsburgh to do, I think you could trade Malkin for a lot of good young players. I would rather trade Latang. But see, I think you gotta keep the defenseman back there. Yeah. You're gonna get way more for Malkin. Yeah. I mean You could probably get three three good young depth players and a draft pick for Malkin. We're gonna have Jake Gensel back also, who's gonna be completely healthy this year too. That would be Another piece that you could maybe look at, but I mean, he's still young in his core. You're right. It probably does go between Malkin and Crosby, and we kind of know who would go there. Yeah, they're not going to trade Crosby. No chance. But, uh, yeah, yeah. But we have a little bit more cap space now that they got rid of Matt Murray. So we'll see what Jimmy Rutherford does. You never know. He's always wheeling and dealing. That's right. So let's move into the Central Division quickly. In this division, we see the Hurricanes, Blackhawks, Blue Jackets, Red Wings, Panthers, Stars, Predators, and Lightning. This is also a pretty good division. There's some good teams here. Quickly, just want to say Corey Crawford, retired. He is a hell of a goaltender, had a tremendous career. Zach, what do you think? You think he's getting into the hall? I would say yes. Maybe not first ballot, but I think his cups might get him there. I, uh, I don't know that Cork. I mean, I think I'm the, but, but I'm old school. I think if there's, if you have to think about it, I, I don't think you should get it. Corey Crawford won three cups. I know he didn't play on the first one. I believe that was Anthony Miami in Chicago, but he obviously won the second and third. And Corey Crawford was a good goalie in Chicago for a long time and will definitely be one of the greatest goaltenders outside of, um, side of uh, Tony Esposito in Chicago. Sorry, my memory kind of blanked on me for a second, but, but I, I don't, I don't necessarily think he's in the Hall of Fame. Okay. Yeah. It's, I think he has an argument, but we'll see if he actually gets in. So I think the playoff contenders from this division, just looking at it, would obviously be the Tampa Bay Lightning, Nashville Predators, Dallas Stars, and Carolina Hurricanes. If I had to take my pick. And I, yeah. it's tough to count torts out with the Blue Jackets. They usually find a way to sneak their way in there. But those, to me, are the four best teams. Yeah, I agree. I think Chicago is down, although they're rebuilding. I think Columbus is kind of in that spiraling situation. I think it may be time to do a complete rebuild there. Detroit is obviously rebuilding Florida. Carolina has more talent than Florida. For sure. I, I agree. I'm going Dallas, Nashville, Tampa, and Carolina for sure. Great minds think alike. Two Southerners, some... Uh, Just talking about hockey. <laughs> trying to figure out where that puck's going. So next division, we have the West 
with the Anaheim Ducks, Arizona Coyotes, Colorado Avalanche, Minnesota Wild, Kings, Golden Knights, Sharks, Blues. This is a very front-heavy division. There's a few really good teams and then quite a few question marks, I would say. Playoff teams here, the Blues. Even though they lost Petrangelo, they I think Tory Krug can do enough on that blue line to keep them in games. We'll see if Bennington can bounce back. I'll also take the Avalanche. I think they're easily Stanley Cup favorites this year. I'll lean Vegas. Vegas with Petrangelo now. They're consistent every single year. And my last team, this one's tough, but I kind of feel like this is going to be a year where the Kings get in. I know they've been down the last couple of years, but I feel like the Kings bounce back. Jonathan Quick has a really good year. That would be cool. I, I think there's three slam dunks in this division with the Vegas Knights, with the Avalanche, and with the Blues. You know, looking through this, I think that the Wild are down. Finally, I think that they're going to they're finally at the end of these Zach Parise and, and Sutter contracts, those tenure contracts. San Jose is really faltering. I don't know that they've got it. I just don't think the Kings are there yet. I'm actually going to go with the Coyotes. I think the Coyotes are going to show us something, get in on that last spot. I don't think they'll go deep in the playoffs, but it'll be interesting. I think that they'll go in. Okay. What do you think about the Ducks this year? I know Gibson's a good goaltender, but I don't know if they have enough talent to make a run again or the Ducks are one of those teams that you never know what you're going to expect. Never know what you're going to get either. That's the thing. Yeah. You know, they've got, uh, anytime you got John Gibson back there, you're going to have a, uh, a good chance to win a lot of games. They've got some good defensive core back there with Pompas Lindholm and, and some of these guys, but Brian I Kessler. just don't, Kessler. I mean, I, but I, I just think they're kind of getting a little older now. I think the window may have passed. Um, Do they need to rebuild? Do you think they're there yet? I think so. See, they're at the spot where they're really going down. They're they're on the downward trend, but they haven't hit the bottom yet. To me, this is the time for them to blow it up. You could get some draft picks for Hampus Lindholm. You could get some picks for Kessler, you, some of these younger guys, to inject a little more youth in there. And then you have a little harder rebound as opposed to just crashing and burning. And, oh, my God, now we're at the bottom. Now we have to trade everybody. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? It's not the easiest thing to do, but I just don't think the window is there anymore. I think Quentin Byfield could be a big difference maker for the Kings this year. You know, you still have Anze Kopitar, still have a solid defensive core. I know they're getting up there in age, but I know it's a gamble to take them. It just feels feels like a year they can sneak in. Yeah, they're good. They're going to be good. They are rebuilding this thing from the ground up. And, and uh, you know, Drew Doughty and Anze Kopitar are still all world players. Like I said, I'd hope Jonathan Quick can regain what he was, my goodness, in his in his four-year prime. And he was the best goalie I've ever seen. Yep. I mean, best, he, best he, American he, goaltender. I mean, he was he was the best goalie I've ever seen. And Ryan, I mean, Ryan Miller's good too, but I don't think I still think Jonathan Quick's better. I think Jonathan Quick in 2014 had like a 9.49 save percentage or something in the playoffs. It was stupid. I mean, the guy he, is he a guy top of your head? Jonathan Quick, Hall of Fame? I don't think so. I don't think his really? longevity was enough. Now, during his prime, his four year, five year stretch, he was maybe the best goaltender ever. But I just don't think his longevity was enough. Okay. So, Zach, if you had to pick four teams that have the best chance to win the Stanley Cup, who are you taking? My four picks, I'm going to go with Philadelphia. I'm going to go with the Avalanche. I'm going to go with uh, Boston. And then, you know, call me old-fashioned, but I think they can do it again. I still think Tampa's the most talented team. Give me the lightning. What about you? Definitely agree with you on Philly. Philly's a dangerous team overall. 
I'm not sure about Boston. They, You make a convincing argument. I'm going to agree with you on Toronto. I was big on them last year. I thought that they were actually going to go. And they, they won a couple series, so they definitely were better. Have to agree with the Avalanche. They got to be a favorite here. My next team would be... Now, this is tough, but I think I would lean Boston. Yeah. yeah. Just because I mean, of their experience. And there's a lot of good teams this year, though. I mean, it, it's always hard to predict who's going to win the Stanley Cup. Jordan Bennington could regain his former self, and the Blues could be a tough out. I think that... Uh, uh, I don't know. I think losing Petrangelo is a real, real tough for him. It has happened, but Matt Murray did it twice, so it could happen. It's fair. It's fair. I think Vegas could be really good again. I think Vegas will be really good again. They may be the number one seed in the West. So um, yeah, do you think they're going to get rid of Flurry though now with the Seattle Kraken coming to town? I was I've been seeing talks about that. Newsflash to what, nobody. What if, Flurry, what if Flurry goes to the Kraken just like he went to Vegas, and then the Kraken make it to the Stanley Cup final, and Flurry does it again? The people who who were shocked that Marc-Andre Fleury struggled in the postseason are just crazy. Marc-Andre Fleury struggled as much in the postseason as he always did with Pittsburgh. He won a cup thanks to Crosby and Malkin. Fleury just hadn't – I mean, I know when I was a Rangers fan playing Pittsburgh in the postseason, I was like, okay, you know, they're a better team than us, but at least we're playing against Fleury. We got a chance because he's going to let in some bad goals. It just is what it is. But no, you cannot put all your eggs in Robin Leonard with him, you know. They're convinced. They're they're sold on him. I I don't see it. I don't I think Leonard's overrated personally, but he might do it uh, and he might come out and win the Vezina this year. I just I just don't see it. Flory is 36. So, I mean, it maybe so, maybe it is time to go, but I'm just less on the Robin Leonard train than I guess everybody else is. He might prove me wrong and I hope he does, but but we'll see. Okay. So speaking of the Kraken, the expansion draft scheduled for July. So teams are obviously going to have to start taking that into consideration going into this year. Zach, what are your thoughts on the NHL keeping the same format for the expansion draft? I think it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, the Kraken are going to come in and could easily be as good as Vegas. And the worst part about all this is Vegas doesn't even have to give up a player. So the real winner in this entire deal is Vegas. They don't lose a player. Vegas is somehow the best franchise in the NHL, and they've only been here for, what, three years now? It's ridiculous. For sure. This is – I don't like it. I think it – it was because, like, you look in the NFL when the Texans came in in the early 2000s, they were really bad. They didn't give them enough. They got the overall draft pick, number one, and they drafted David Carr, which is Derek's older brother. But it is what it is. I don't like it, but they went too far the other way with Vegas. Vegas is too strong. I mean, Vegas went in and went to the Stanley Cup Finals in their inaugural season. I mean, it's just crazy. I don't know what the perfect way to do it is, but I know it's it, it's going to be weird. I know that just looking at some of these mock drafts, they're talking about Shattenkirk going for the Ducks, Sam Bennett from the Flames, uh, Vincent Trocheck. Some of these guys, these are quality players, man. I mean, it, it Radko Gudis, let's see. Oh. Brennan Lemieux for the Rangers. Chris Turney. Shane Gostaspear for the Flyers. Zach Austin Reese for the Penguins. This is just this particular. You're talking about a lot of really good players, man. And uh, Tyler Johnson from the Lightning. Braden Holtby from the Canucks. I mean, they could literally, TJ Oshie from the Capitals. This is crazy. They, they could be really good really fast. I hate the format. I really do. I think if you're an expansion team, you should come in and struggle, just like every other expansion team that we've seen in sports besides Vegas. 
It's ridiculous. I, I, and the fact that Vegas doesn't lose a player is complete bullshit. I they're, agree. Literally, they're literally a superpower in the NHL. Now. It's, it's ridiculous. I completely agree. And I think it also hurts teams like the Senators and the Red Wings who are really struggling and trying to rebuild from the ground up. And oh, by the way, you got to give um, yep. you got to give them a player. Yeah. So it, it's tough. You can only protect so many players. You know, I, I don't know what the perfect answer is, but I tell you what, they've got to do something. I wasn't really mad about it when Vegas happened. I mean, I, I was disappointed, but I wasn't really because I was like, well, you know, they're not going to do this for a while. But hell, they bring in another team in two years and they, they just didn't learn their lesson. I don't know. When they relocate the Penguins to Quebec City in three years, are they, gonna, gonna are happen. they going to uh, do the Pittsburgh, same thing there? Pittsburgh is one of the richest franchises now. I know they had their troubles in the past, but if you look at overall team values and attendance, Pittsburgh's top five in attendance every single year. So it's a funny joke, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> Should be a good good season. And you want- actually have really good ownership now, too. Obviously, with Mario Lemieux kind of taking over. Yeah. The Penguins, right. are the, fact, the Penguins are the one team that I have that I can root for and actually expect some consistency out of. So if that starts changing, it's going to be pretty rough having to rely on the Steelers and the Pirates every single year. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Penguins oh, are the one team that I can usually bank on having a shot at winning the championship. So, because the Gamecocks aren't going to do it anytime soon either. Yeah. Well, while we're here, you want to predict the Calder and some of these other awards? What you got? Hard trophy. I'm going to give it to Nathan McKinnon. If I had to take a pick. He's been trending upwards every single year. And as long as he stays healthy, I think he is arguably, and I know there's a lot of great players, but at this current time, maybe the best center in hockey. He's good. He's really good. I will counter that argument. I, I think that um, I think McDavid's going to win it again. I think he's going to get back on the heart train. So Calder, I would have to say Lafreniere. Don't really. I don't really see. I mean, the guy's generational talent. He should be the favorite to win it. You know, he is. I'm actually going to go with another Ranger. I'm going to go with Igor Shesterkin, uh, the Rangers goalie who came up. He was the heir apparent to Lundqvist forever. Um, the guy had a 932 save percentage in 12 games last year. He went 10-2 and two in his pre-rookie year, I guess you call it. So I think he's going to be a big breakout and a big portion for the Rangers' success. I'm going to go Shesterkin in net for the Rangers. Okay. For my Vesna. If I had to take a pick here right now, I'm gonna. I would say Carter Hart. Really, you gonna go Philly, huh? Yeah, Carter Hart got really hot towards the end of the season, and he has all the talent in the world. I think he could win a Vesna. Yeah, absolutely, he could. He could, no doubt. I'm gonna. I'm gonna uh, go the other way. I'm gonna go Andre Vasilevsky. I think he's. I think um, he's gonna play well, but they're gonna win so many games. It's gonna make him look really good, and I think he's gonna win the Vesna this year. Okay, Art Ross. I would say that's McDavid's trophy to lose. Yeah, I, I think so. I agree there. What about the what about the Rocket Richard for the most goals? What you got there? I mean, the easy pick is obviously Alexander Ovechkin. Every single year, the guy's a favorite. Might pass Gretzky. We'll see. But as a pivot, I'll take. Now this is going to be a little bit of a gamble, but I'm going to say Tarasenko. Ooh, can he stay healthy? You know, he was hurt. Yeah. Now that they lost Petrangelo. Tarasenko is going to have to shoot the puck a lot more. So he's yeah. a he's a long shot, but that's someone that I would put out there. Yeah, I think Ovechkin is the easy pick, but I'm going to go with Austin Matthews. I think uh, Matthews is going to light the lamp a lot this year, especially with all that talent helping him out in Toronto. So I'm going to take the mustache of Austin Matthews. What about the Norris? Norris Trophy. 
Who do you have? I'm interested to hear. I'm going to go Victor Hedman again. I think he gets all the love, um, scores a lot of points. He's a decent shutdown defenseman. He's obviously no Ryan McDonough, but he's a good player. I think they're going to give it to Victor Hedman. Okay. I think it could be Cole McCarr. That's what I would take at this point, just with how great yeah. he was last. I know he's a young guy, but he has been a transformative force for the Avalanche on the D. Yeah. Last one, uh, the Jack Adams Coach of the Year. Coach of the Year. So looking at this, who could make a surprise run? That's really the question for Coach of the Year. Hmm. Who do you got? You no, know, Barry Trotz won it last year. I'm going to go with, I'm going to say Elaine Vigneault in Philadelphia. I think Philly's primed to make a deep run. I think they're going to win a lot of games. I think that uh, he's a good coach. He's a he's good behind the bench as long as he doesn't ruin any talent uh, like he did with Jake T. Miller, which by the way is crushing it over a point per game last year in Vancouver. So uh, Elaine Vigneault had him riding the pine. So I'm gonna go AV. I think he's gonna have a good year in Philly. Okay, I'm gonna go with Todd McLean for the Los Angeles Kings. As I was talking about earlier, I think the Kings have a bounce back year. They don't really have that great of expectations. So if they make a run in the playoffs, I could see McLean winning it. Another one to look out for is Peter Laviolette in Washington. I think that, uh, you know, he could come in there. He's always had good success. He had good success in, in Philadelphia, he had good success in uh, Nashville when he was there. I think uh, give him a chance. He's got a lot of talent there in Washington. Don't forget him. Yep. Well, if you guys enjoy the hockey content, we're going to be talking about it frequently now that the season's about to start. So we're going to pivot away from football for a little while, focus on hockey, college baseball, Major League Baseball. We'll obviously still give our playoff reactions in the Super Bowl, but as these other leagues start, Zach and I are going to make the pivot towards that. So stay tuned. That's right, guys. Leave us a like, leave us a comment, whatever you want to do. Give us some nominations for some AGA participants as well. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And uh, yeah, just reach out. Also, if you would like to support our show, you can log on to our page at patreon.com slash calling my shots. And you can see an ugly ass picture of the Cleveland Browns logo because I told my listeners I would do it. I'm a man of my word. So just for that, just because I upheld my end of the agreement. If you guys want to see our show grow and want to support us, check us out on Patreon. That's right, guys. It's been real. This has been calling. I shot shots. <laughs>